sorry, I got distracted because the preview chapter of that vile sounding light novel that J Novel Club is putting out uh, is up on their website, so you had to read it. I skimmed it, and it's as bad as it sounds on its face. Welcome back to Manga In Your Ears. My name is Corey. Uh, Helen and April are not with me this time. This is a special episode. I have Pax with me. Hello. Here I am. Uh, we're covering our first long-running shonen series. We're doing My Hero Academia. Uh, and this this kind of stemmed from like me wanting to do a long-running shonen series, for one. Uh, but like reading those in two weeks is kind of untenable, so we, we have to plan that far ahead. But this one is running in jump, so... Uh, and Pax and I are like relatively current with it. I'm, I'm a couple weeks behind Pax. You just caught up today, right? Yeah, I played catch up on it um, today just for this because uh, I'd originally said, and this is probably what I I decided to like catch up for this. But like normally with these big jump things, I usually just wait for arcs to finish to read them because I don't tend to enjoy reading them like as they go on. But like. I figured I'll catch up since it's like just the beginning of an arc. Yeah. Um, also, I guess it's worth mentioning that like I only got into My Hero Academia probably about a month ago, oh, where yeah. I binged through everything, the manga, all of the manga um, up to that point in less than a week. Yeah, you were reading it until like five in the morning or something, right? Yeah, I ended up staying up till like five in the morning during like I think it was during the Kamino Ward stuff. Just because, like, it was kind of hard to stop with yeah. that. So do you, so, read, yeah. do you read yours, like, uh, digitally on the jump thingy? Do you have a jump subscription, or do you do something else? Yeah, digitally. All right. I um, am at a point in my life where buying long-running um, jump comics physically is not a thing I ever want to do again. <laughs> Even though I like a lot of those comics, they just there's a lot of them. Yep. There is a lot of them. There's the just R, a lot of books. It's the R One Piece shelf. Yeah. See, like I've never bought One Piece. I'd like to. Yeah. I like One Piece. It would be cool to own One Piece, but it's a lot of books. Yeah. Uh, I haven't said that already. Let's uh, let's get into like what My Hero Academia is about. Then I'll ask you a couple questions. We'll answer them and uh, talk generally about the series. But My Hero Academia is about this dude named uh, Izuku. Izuku Midoriya. Um, he goes by Deku as like a nickname. I don't remember where this comes from, but it like means weak dude or something. Yeah, it 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 started as like a um, it's like it, it more or less means like good for nothing, something like that. And it was kind of like a um, derisive nickname that Bakugo, one of the other main characters, gave him um, because as a kid, Deku or Izuku or whatever um, didn't have superpowers like everyone else. Yeah. So he called him so he gave him this derisive nickname but then um, he kind of takes it back and owns it for himself and kind of takes it as like an alternate meaning of it 
to be like and makes it his hero nickname yeah and uh as you mentioned these people have superpowers deku does not have any superpowers at the beginning of the series he gains superpowers by like a literal hanging of the torch from uh the world's greatest hero all night or the symbol of peace i should say uh and it is just about these kids that are just entering high school, and they're, they're entering this superhero high school where they learn to be superheroes, and there's these rankings of superheroes, which uh, deals with both, like, general popularity of the superhero and also how many uh, superhero actions they take, like how many people they save, how many right. buildings they stop from burning or whatever, yeah. Yeah, so it's like a world that... It's it's an interesting aspect of this because so the way the the way the the world works is that it's a large it's like ninety percent of the people in the world have some form of quirk is what they're called it's it's very like um, X Men mutation kind of thing where everyone's kind of born or born with some kind of power and they're hereditary on some level so the powers of the children tend to be similar to the powers of the parents. And so the the comics kind of built in this society of what happens if everyone has powers and how do you deal with that? And the way this thing is works is the way they deal with it is, well, if you want to be a hero, you go to hero high school where you kind of learn how to be a hero and you take tests to get into the school because they're going to measure your quirk based on whether or not it's something that actually – uh, lends itself to being a hero because some of them can be extremely mundane like there's a character who can make like tape come out of his arms mm-hmm. uh or like one of them i mean like Deku's, a tail. yeah one of them yeah that's literally it he just has a tail or some might you know talk to animals um and what's interesting is the way the world shakes out is there are there are quirks that are seen as more heroic and others that are seen as more villainous uh and people can kind of end up shoved into different boxes based on those things and it's the way they respond to them that kind of define the characters but it's like it's a society that's built around everyone has some level of some kind of weird power Mm -hmm. and i think the way the world building kind of shakes it out it's like guys this is um like this weird world where everything is built like the society is built around heroes and and that's what like the frame of reference for everything else is there are like levels of usefulness to the powers like all mike's power is just uh enhancing his strength by several several fold uh but like midoriya's mom's power is just like lifting light to medium-ish weight objects I think, or is it like bringing it to her or something, right? Something yeah. like that. It's like, it's like relatively useless uh, in like a heroic setting. So there are levels to these powers, uh, and then like we said, there's like tail person and the tape person. But then it's how you use those powers uh, that makes you heroic because they are part of the hero class. But so what? What? Uh, what was like the first arc or the first moment that? struck you as uh getting you really into this manga yeah um i would say like what really kind of started to get me into it was probably i'm trying to think because honestly it started pretty weak for me 
Mm-hmm. I think it, like, as I read it, because I ended up, like, reading, as I as we said, I ended up reading a ton of it at once. And I've, I know I've talked to you about this, Corey. Like, the stuff that really works for me about it is the the kind of school stuff. So that's kind of where I started to fall in love with it. Like, the beginning is cool because it really it establishes Deku as this kid who's really determined and desperate to kind of be a hero and like there's a slow like the it has a slow build to actually getting to what the comics are really about because it's kind of like all right he has to work towards being worthy of all might's powers then all Might gives it to him and then he has to, then it's time for him to go and actually uh test to get into the school mm-hmm. which is like a whole other kind of bit where it's like you start to see some of the characters, but you don't really get to see a lot of them. But then once they actually get to the school, that's kind of where it started to click for me because it's got a really fun kind of opening cast. Uh, like his classmates are all really interesting and getting to meet them was kind of was really fun. And as I'm kind of talking through this, I think I actually came to the answer to the question, which is... During the first big, like, villain arc, which is when all the students go to kind of like it's a more or less like a fancy, like, theme park that's also like a testing center. I can't remember what it's called, though. But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the villains attack for the first time, uh, attack the students for the first time, and the kids are kind of separated into different areas, desperately trying to kind of help each other. help their their teachers who are heroes uh and then kind of protect themselves and i think the thing that really clicked was like the time where it finally like clicked for me was the bit with deku and suyu and uh mineta uh funny enough um because this all has to come back to that uh and it's deku showing like what his strength really is as a character at this point, which is his mind and how he's because more or less because he's just a, a hero otaku, he's able to really think about ways to take advantage of different heroes uh, powers to solve their problem. And it's him. And then he's having Suyu explain what she can do, which is like, you know, she can jump really high and she's got like sticky appendages and a long tongue and she's strong. He basically and all these things that a frog does. It's like, yeah, she's got, like, and she's got, yeah, she does, like, anything that a frog does, and as a result, she's actually really, really good, um, because she gets a lot of stuff out of that, um, and then he turns to Mineta and and asks him what he does, and Mineta pulls one of those purple balls off of his head and sticks it to a wall, and that's it, and he just looks at him, and, like, I... That was the, that was the moment where I knew Mineta was the best character in the comic. (laughs) Because I lost my mind laughing at it. Because uh, it's so stupid, and he's got the shittiest power imaginable. Uh, and then he also explains, I'm pretty sure this is also where he explains, that it's directly related to his, like, how sticky the balls are, or di- is directly tied to his health. Um, and, like, his, like, digestion on some level. Because, like, he talks about the quality of his poops in relation <laughs> to the strength of the sticky balls. I do not remember this. This is definitely a thing that happens. <laughs> uh, uh, and I think that, like, 
bit, like that arc and that kind of that honestly that part of that arc was where it really clicked because I really liked the students and I really liked their relationship with each other and their relationship with like the teachers and trying to figure out what it means to be a hero. I think that's the strength of the comic, uh, at least as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Yeah, I it was like a long circular answer to that question. Yeah, uh, yeah, but the strength in in My Hero Academia is uh, like these characters and especially the powers, um, because you know, anytime that there is a a group of young individuals that have a lot of powers, that gets these uh, X Men comparisons inevitably, but like these powers are uh, pretty unique. Um, like the frog thing is not done the same way as Toad from X Men. The Minata power is like out of nowhere. And yeah, I mean, like, not a lot of them are like, like in a weird way. Deku's power is probably the most like mundane superheroy because mm-hmm. it's just like really strong guy. But it's like, but it has an interesting story tied to it as well. I don't know if we said at the beginning we're going to spoil the shit out of everything right now yeah. uh, as this goes on. But, like, the one-for-all quirk is really interesting in that it's, like, something that's passed down and it gains power over generations. But it's, like, he's just, like, really strong is the best way to describe it. But there's ones, yeah, it's, like, the the, the frog girl, Mineta's weird sticky ball things, um, Ida, who has, like... Ignition things on the yeah, back like of his engines legs. in his thighs, yeah, or calves, yeah, yeah thighs. Um, no, in the, in the calves, calves, right? Um, and it's like, okay, yeah, it's like it's not that he moves fast or something; it's that he has this very specific thing where he has engines in his legs. Yeah, and uh, Ochako just like makes things have basically zero weight, so you can push them around and lift them as you wish. Uh, but then there are, like, these downsides to these powers as well. Like, Deku's body cannot hold up to 100% power of uh, One for All yet, so he just, like, literally shatters every bone in his arm, basically, when he whenever he uses it, uh, because his body can't handle that. If Ochako uses too much of her power, she just gets nauseous. There's this dude that shoots lasers out of his navel, uh, <laughs> and he just also gets you, nauseous. You, 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 uh, he's got, like... Uh, Who's an incredible character, and yeah. like he, he he doesn't get much development because I think it's like he's a really strange thing, and I suspect uh oh, what's the mangaka's name? Uh, Horikoshi. Yeah, um, yeah, Horikoshi, Horikoshi. Uh, I suspect doesn't really know what to do with him. Yeah. But he's like he's just like this really like flashy guy. Um, kind of effeminate who's got like uh, a yeah laser that comes out of a uh, of his of his navel that he can't really control. He has like a a belt that he has to have on him more or less to keep it sealed up. Yeah, it seems like cyclopsish. Yeah, and he gets like stomach aches if he uses it uh, too much. Yeah, and there's like this it, weird couple chapter arc where he's just like creeping on Deku. <laughs> Yeah, it's really good because it's like it's a it's a it's something that happens pretty late, but it but it's really good because he figures out that Deku is having trouble with control, like with his body not being able to handle his um, quirk, mm-hmm. and he realizes that's the same as him, and it's something that he like relates to him with, and they 
build like a friendship based on it. It's really, it's really. I love the characters. I, honestly, I love the whole class. Yeah, they need to do more with them. Yeah, same. And then so, they're, so they're the A class, and then uh, there's two hero classes in uh, in their school: the A class and the B class. And the B class also has a bunch of heroes that are really cool. But they basically get no time since they're not the A class, and even like a lot of the A class doesn't get time since the series yeah. is uh, Deku telling the story of how he became the the best hero. Uh, yeah, that, it's that kind of doesn't it, come up very often. No, it doesn't. It it does feel like there is a level of it just struggling to have a lot of the cast in it because he's come up with like so many interesting characters. And I'm fr- like, there's a frustration to me of just not getting to see all of all of the the A class students on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I've talked to you about this, where on a level, uh, I find the arcs where it's them fighting the villains kind of annoying or not as compelling to me. And a lot of that is because during those arcs, you kind of miss out on a lot of the students you lose easily half of them for most of those because it'll usually be deku and a handful of other characters that are fighting with him uh but then it's like but i want to see uh i want to see that guy with the tail or what's his name sugar man the guy who just gets stronger by eating by consuming sugar he gets on all the girls good side when they move into dorms and he bakes them sweets because that's his character is defined by sugar. Yeah. He's diabetes, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, like in that first arc that we that we were talking about in the amusement park, it's basically just Deku, Suyu, and Mineta, and basically no one else really gets significant time in that. Uh, and then like there is a lot going on between Deku and Bakugo as well, because Bakugo is the second main character basically, and he's the, the foil to Deku, like, they have the same uh, goals, they have the same uh, like, idols. They grew up together. Yeah. They grew up together, They're, they were more or less childhood friends until Bakugo kind of turned into a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, and ostracized, like, uh, Deku because he didn't have powers, but they both, like, they both idolized All Might and dreamed about being, being really being the next All Might. Mm-hmm. And like, it's really interesting to see these two care like the like Bakugo's a piece of shit. I hate him in a lot of ways. But unlike other characters, which we can talk about later, I think there is actually a really strong redemption arc for a character like him. Yeah. Because ultimately, like, Bakugo can be defined as just extremely immature. Mm-hmm. And, like, he idolizes All Might more than anything in the world. He wants to be All Might. He thinks he's the greatest thing of all, the greatest hero of all time, all these things. But he doesn't understand the why. Like, he doesn't understand um, why... All Might is the greatest hero. Why everyone idolizes greatest hero? All Might is the greatest hero mm-hmm. uh, because he's like because he doesn't think past the strength aspect. Because as a kid, he ultimately like awoke into an extremely powerful like quirk early on, which is basically he sweats nitroglycerin and can make it explode. Yep. So he's got an extremely powerful ability that he 
awoke to really young, so he's been told a ton how strong he is and how great he's going to be. But then he has to uh, deal with the fact that he's not like that's not all it takes. And it does feel like it's it's a story that's slowly kind of figuring that aspect out, Mm -hmm. which is why it's like I hate him, but he's actually interesting. I don't get why he's so popular. I I really don't because he's the most popular character. Uh, But I but I think he's an extremely interesting character. And I think in a lot of ways, that's what like the strength of like all the students are, is that it's you're watching these kids grow up. Um, I don't remember how I got on this. Con- we were just talking about Bakugo because he was the second lead. Yeah. Right. And yeah, that's yeah. literally it. I sang Bakugo yeah. and then you're like, all right, I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk about Bakugo <laughs> for a few minutes. I have yeah. thoughts on this character. Yeah. It's like that's it honestly is what I think is the strength of this comic is that it does so well with presenting these characters as growing up. And it's like these are these are, you know, adolescents, these are teenagers growing up in a really difficult time in a really difficult place with a lot of um, expectations with, on them. Yeah, tons of expectations on them with a lot of like there's a lot of insecurity about what's going on in the world, especially later into the series like mm-hmm. There's a point, and it's in the most recent episode of the anime, which is, I'm going to add this, the only episode I've seen. I watched the most recent episode, which is the episode where they all move into the dorms, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite like chapters in the manga, and I know I've told you that. I love that because yeah, it's you like kind of get about this, the characters. It's all about the students in, in 1A and what they're uh, and they're and it's them presenting their personality to each other. But there's a scene that happens at the beginning of that episode, or at the beginning of that chapter for that matter, uh, and it's all of them talk... It's Eraserhead, who is their homeroom teacher, talking to all of them before they move into the dorms officially, um, and he gives them all a big lecture about everything that had just happened, which was the big all-might, all-for-one fight. And he gives them all this lecture, and the lecture boils down to... If it wasn't for the fact that if it wasn't for the fact that All Might had just retired, you all would have been expelled from school. So it's basically this like he's basically saying everything is too tumultuous right now right now for us to let you go mm-hmm. and you are the future that we need now. Like it's putting it's it's a it's almost like a throwaway line where he's kind of threatening them. It's like you fucked up. But it's it's it, it reads as more than that because it's there is a lot more precious on you guys than you re- a lot more pressure on you all than you realize. Yeah, this is some there's something bigger than you going on around us now. Yeah, and I think Eraserhead in that moment realizes that like Endeavor is probably not going to be the same symbol of peace that All Might is. Uh, Best Genus isn't, and like any of those top heroes aren't. But like one of these kids could be. And he recognizes that, and he wants all of them to recognize it, even if they're not really getting his message right now. He recognizes that the the classes they are teaching right now, the students that are in their school right now, are the future uh, of like their of hero society. Yeah, and that there's a ton of pressure on them because of that. So it, it's it's extremely um, it's extremely like. It's it's fascinating in that sense. I'm like rambling now because it's like such a. But that's the stuff I love about it. And it, it, there is very clearly like there's a 
I've said before, I find the villain alliance largely kind of uninteresting. Uh, the characters aren't like they're just really one dimensional right now. As far as I'm concerned, I wish they had a little more. I wish more of them had interesting personalities that we saw. Yeah. Like, um, the main kid is just kind of comically evil guy. Um, and we don't really get why, besides, like, he having to be picked up by someone who is also evil and then been like, we we'll like to be evil together. Yeah, there's, like, there's very clearly going to be something major with him coming later on, because he is the, he's, he is the lead antagonist. Uh, because for everything else, the fight between All for One and All Might is very clearly a this is our final fight. It's time for the next generation to take over for both of them, not just All Might, but All for One as well. And like like All Might saying you're next at the end is very clearly like the ultimate symbol of all that. But like the most interesting thing about him is that he's supposedly All Might's teacher's grandson, which is like this weird okay, so we have to have this... This is a thing that's, like, lingering in the background, and it'll be interesting to see how that ever comes up again and, when, like, when that comes up, because I'm sure it'll be, like, yeah. the final arc kind of stuff. Yeah, because it hasn't yet in the manga. No, it hasn't come up at all yet again. Um, he's he's shown back up, but, like, be, beyond, beyond, um, beyond him, like, I guess Toga is interesting. Um... In that she's like a crazy high school girl uh, who joins the League of Villains, and she's like obsessed with cutting people, but her power is also directly tied to, like, if she ingests someone's blood, she can transform into them, and it's like basically directly tied to how much blood she ingests. Yeah, the time uh, that she transforms, right? Right. And then what's the other guy's name? Twice? Uh, yeah, there's a couple other major ones, like the dude that uh, makes portals, uh, yeah, Twice. Is I think Twice that... is the only other one that's interesting, um, because he's insane. Yeah. Because his power is that he multiplies himself. Yeah. Like, his power is that he, like, can multiply himself, and it's very clearly driven him crazy. Mm-hmm. He's had, like, he has, like, a dissociative, like, disorder as a result of it. Yeah. Uh, so he has to wear a mask to maintain control of himself. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's a, but, but like, that's the thing. Like there, it, it feels like there is a, like, okay, so these are young villains, like learning how to be super villains Mm -hmm. alongside the young heroes learning how to be superheroes. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's very clearly like the, the, the dueling narrative that's happening. It's just, I still find the kids like so much more compelling yeah. I mean, even if Horikoshi were to write a manga that was, like, about this League of Villains, it would still probably be as interesting, just because we would finally be able to delve into those characters. Yeah. And he, I think if, there, if anything, like, that is his power, is just really strong characterization. Yeah. And really thinking through that development... Like, the way these characters are developing and growing as people over the course of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah, so this uh, this podcast actually kind of started because uh, we were we were talking about Keijo and Want to Be the Strongest in the World, and, like, after we finished with that, you went on, like, a ten-minute rant about how Mineta is your favorite character. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Mineta's like, the best. Yeah, so would you like to um, explain yourself? 
Okay, yeah. No, I feel like I, I've mentioned this a couple times on Twitter in the past since I've read it, and everyone's response is, no, Pat's no, what's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, and then I feel like, okay, now I have to explain in detail why Mineta is the best but also the worst. Um, and that's kind of the key to this character. He is a horrible piece of shit, and you shouldn't really like him because he's like a real creepy lewd kid who's just super like horn doggy on top of like looking creepy as hell because he's like two feet tall um has purple balls growing out of his head has a really creepy face yeah he always has Um, these weird facial expressions that are like leery as well like one thing i'm gonna say up front is i got to experience the anime version for the first time of him and i didn't like it nearly as much in the anime at least in that one episode and it's because it lingered on it too much the thing that i like about Mineta in the manga is that all of his weird creepy bits are like one panel at most and it's just kind of him in the corner being creepy or whatever mm-hmm. it doesn't linger on it a bunch so it doesn't feel overwhelming all the time Whereas, like, in the anime, I was like, eh, this is a little much. I don't like that. I wasn't laughing as hard in the anime, like, for the exact same scenes as I was when I was reading the manga. But that's why he's funny. He's, like, this really creepy weirdo who's horned up and kind of an asshole. And everyone thinks that about him and treats him as such. So it's not like in the world people forgive him for it so much as everyone's like, God damn it, why do we have to deal with this asshole? Yeah. Like when they move into the dorms, he tries he's acting creepy and he tries to invite them to look at his room and they just leave instead of going to his room because he was being creepy and weird and no one wants to deal with him. But also he's just funny as hell. That's the thing. Because he's just so stupid and creepy and weird and I love it and he gets the shit beat out of him, and he looks really stupid. He's got the dumbest power on Earth. Yeah. The sticky balls that pop out of his hair. Um, and the only reason he got into the school is because they had to fight robots to get into the school, and he used the sticky balls to throw them at the robots and freeze them up. So he could beat a lot of robots, but he's not, like, good against anything else. Uh, he's so funny. I love him. Yeah. And he's such a like... character. Here's where the, the creativity of Horikoshi comes in, where uh, he, he makes this dude with powers that are just, here's some sticky balls. Here's uh, some sticky balls. But uh, he's able to beat like, these robots, he's able to uh, get his way out of uh, uh, the like tests. The, yeah, because he sticks tests. himself to someone else. Yeah, that was the sports festival, I believe. Right. The yeah. hero test when like uh, the tape guy goes asleep. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, he's able to get out of that just, like, very innovatively, and that's just a, tank, a testament to uh, Horikoshi's creativity with these powers. Yeah, like, his power is strange. He's a weird kind of guy. And, like, Horikoshi even owns that um, he's kind of a gross character and not really a thing people really care for anymore in Shonen comics. But the way he's used is like a he's a comic relief character. So he shows up randomly in kind of goofy bits to be funny. And then he goes away again. Yeah. So I find him funny for those brief moments he's there. And then he goes away again and I don't care. There was one bit in the in the school festival arc that was a little much. And I I don't know if you caught this one or not. 
uh, it's after, so they go to, there's like a uh, Miss, uh, what's the name of the school? UA. Miss UA, Miss UA uh, pageant at the school festival. So it's all the girls, you know, dressed up all pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and afterwards, I can't remember what he says, but it's something all the lines of like, it's going to be a busy night or whatever. And he's like flailing his arm up and down as he says it. And it's like, yeah. oh, that's a little much. Um, even for this character. I, do not I think that, that might have been the only one that was that I went, oh, that's too much to me. Uh, but yeah, he's fucking hilarious. And I, I, I won't, I'm not going to apologize for thinking he's funny. Because I, 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 he's funny as hell. Yeah, he, he is funny in like that uh, way. Yeah, I guess. I that's the thing. I get why people don't like him, and I don't blame them for not liking him. It's just I still find him funny anyway. Yeah, like I find him funny in spite of himself more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Wait, so who's your favorite member of the class? Uh, so I really liked, uh, or I really like Tokoyami, the dude that has uh, the dark shadow. Yeah, the Chuny boy. Yeah, because. Uh, he he is like constantly wrestling uh, with this thing that's supposedly his partner. Um, right. The darker it gets, the less power he, the less control he has over it. Yeah, but the more powerful it gets. Right. Uh, and that's just like innately interesting because a lot of them have uh, like detrimental to you downsides, and like this is also detrimental to you, but it could also be. A boon in the way that it was used in the uh, like the third villain attack part when they're training in the wilderness. Um, right, he fucking wrecks shit, but he's losing control of it, and they have to figure out a way to shine light on him. Yeah, to basically calm him down. Yeah, so they have to like run to Bakugo and uh, Todoroki, who can both create a tremendous amount of light very quickly. Uh, but that that kind of struggle uh, and the the like stoic leg backness of him, uh, and then also his his role in the uh, the cavalry battle when he was fighting with Midoriya as well was very interesting. Yeah, I do think like his character is also really funny because he's he's got this dark shadow thing, but he's also just kind of like a regular kid who's putting up a front as being this dark kid. And it pops through its head. It, like, pops through every once in a while that it's kind of just him mm-hmm. putting on a show for everyone that he's yeah. this brooding character. Like his dorm introduction. Yeah. Where everyone's, like, going through it and they're just like, oh, this is just, like, hokey crap you bought to look like you're edgy. <laughs> like, it's really cute in that way. Yeah. I mean, that's how it is for, like, a lot of them. They're, they're all, like, there's, like, a level of they gotta put up a front to be a certain kind of character. Uh, whether they are or not. Yeah. Uh, like, between him, uh, the electricity dude, who is just kind of stupid and funny, because he, uh, he uses all of his electricity, and then he just becomes really stupid and can't say anything besides, like, thumbs up and... Uh. He's really funny. Yeah. And, like, he's used it. He's a really great comic relief a lot of the time. I like a lot of the girls, and I feel like a lot of the girls aren't used enough. Yeah. Like, I really like... I think Mina is really popular in general. And I really like her. She's the the pink acid girl. Okay, yeah. um, With horns. And, like, I really like her. I think she's really cute and funny. And I wish there was, like, more of her. Yeah. She she is, like, uh, seemingly opposite 
for, of her quirk. Like, you would think that someone that really spurks acid that milks anything would be a little less, uh, uh, like, upbeat and stuff, but uh, she's totally into, you know, all these regular, not regular, but, like, stereotypically girly things. Like, you go into a room and it's very girly. Yeah, she's like a super ganky girl. Yeah. Like, and, like, there's a really great chapter that's about her and, um, what's the other guy's name? What's the guy's name? The the Harden guy? Oh, uh, now I don't remember. Shit, um, I'm trying to find it now. Red Riot, uh, Kirishima. Yeah. It's like, they, they, like, went to school with each other. And she was kind of like a someone that he looked up to, which I thought was really cute. Because mm-hmm. he, he's got a really, like, as he's developed his power, it's actually a really good power for a hero. But he didn't understand how to be a hero and how to, like, have confidence in himself. But she's like this girl who's, like, got extreme confidence in herself <laughs> and is super upfront about it. It's like, that's why I really like her a lot. And I wish she, they'd use her more. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of the characters they should obviously use more besides, like, Suyu and Ochako, who seem to be the two main girl characters. Yeah, uh, those are very clearly, like, those... They're also, I'm pretty sure, they're the two most popular girls, so yeah. it makes sense. Um, and Ochako is kind of be, is kind of set as, like, the the female lead. Yeah, the loving uh, cast as well. Yeah. Uh, we haven't talked about Todoroki at all yet. Yeah, he has a little complex... Past. Um, He's an extremely complicated character. Yeah, so his dad is uh, named Endeavor. He's the number two Fuck hero. Fuck Endeavor. <laughs> number two hero behind All Might, and he literally set up uh, like a political marriage with uh, a person who had ice powers, so like he could have a kid that has fire and ice powers, and they just kept having kids until this happened, and it was like the fifth or sixth kid or something when it finally happened and like this drove Todoroki's mom to like insanity or something it doesn't seem like she was was more or less abused by him yeah uh, until she was like mentally unstable yeah to the point where she uh scarred her son Todoroki or Shoto um because he looked so much like her father Mm -hmm. or he looked so much like his father and then, like, she was hospitalized. Like, he hosp- has her hospitalized after that point. Yeah, and, like, Todoroki um, doesn't want to go see his mom through through a, a good portion of the first part of the manga uh, because of, like, either guilt or... Uh, he's afraid. Yeah. It's, like, beat... Like, it's something that's, like, been beaten out of him. Like, he's afraid to see her because yeah. of it. Because he doesn't like the fact that she's, like, scared of him, and he feels guilty about what's happened. And he hates his but, dad as well, because uh, everything that we just said. Uh, yeah, so, like, he doesn't want to use his fire. Shit. Yeah, he doesn't want to use his fire powers to become the best hero, just to spite his dad. Yeah, but, like, through a fight with Deku, he kind of starts to accept the fire powers as, like, his own, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's it's who he is. He Just because he has fire powers doesn't mean he's his father, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, but in lots, like as a result of that inner struggle, he starts visiting his mom in the hospital and, like, building a relationship with her. And it's like, and honestly, in a lot of ways, that's kind of where his arc is stalled. 
though it's very clear that he is the the subject of this next story arc that's coming up. Yeah, because Endeavor is the subject of the next story arc. Todoroki yeah. has to have a part in it. Yeah, and I've talked about this on Twitter too, because this was before I read these chapters, and I was just getting just past the. Uh, there's a there's a moment after the um, eightfold. Uh, what the hell, the A-Full Triad or whatever the heck they're called, the, the Yakuza dudes, those guys, um, uh, where it's during, like, the makeup test for the license exam, and it's after All Might has reti- formally retired, and he's there with Endeavor. And again, this was before seeing the other stuff. It's them together um, talking, and it's Endeavor is now more or less the number one hero, but it's not because he was better than All Might, it's because All Might retired. And as this is happening, crime's going up, and All Might is or uh, Endeavor's realizing he's not number one, even if he is, even if he has the number, uh, he very clearly isn't that symbol that All Might was, and he really kind of realizes he can't be, at least the person he is right now can't be. Mm-hmm. And there's this very clear like it feels like there's a like it's setting up some kind of redemption arc for him, and I really fucking hate that idea. Uh, I do feel there is a level of Horikoshi has earned my trust enough that I'm willing to, like, let this play out and see what it does. But I'm convinced, like, Endeavor's going to die a martyr. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're not going to... He's not going to have to atone for how much of a piece of shit he was to his family. Yeah. I mean, even if it does, it's probably going to be, like, one of those shown any things right where he's just kind of apologizing while he dies yeah like you don't get this moment dude yeah he doesn't deserve that moment yeah like that's the problem with that character is like there's there's like villains that are like there's the cartoonish villainy that exists within the comic you know we want to kill heroes and all this kind of stuff but then there's like this guy who's supposed to be a hero who's just an abusive father and husband yeah and like, doesn't sure. own up to any of that stuff. One of the things that I really appreciated um, during in the in the chapters that have come out so far is there's a scene and it's the mother with two of her kids, like two of uh, Shoto's older siblings, a brother and a sister, and they're talking. And the son, who like he he flat out says, "I I don't have a relationship with my father. He might as well be a stranger to me," because. When when they figured out that he didn't have the powers that Endeavor was looking for, he didn't care about him anymore. Mm-hmm. He more or less says that being number the number one hero, and like saying you're sorry doesn't make up for what you've done to everybody. Yep. It's like uh, like the the world may not know, but we know, and we're not going to forgive you for it. We're not going to treat you like you were a great man when you very clearly weren't. And it's like if it if it successfully manages to navigate. Uh, that line, I think it could be great. Mm-hmm. But if it if it cops out on it, and that's what I'm afraid of because it's a jump comic, that it will cop out on it, I think it might actually ruin the comic for me. Mm. Because I hate that character so much. To 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 do anything that like canonize him or like mart- make him a martyr without without recognition of how much of a piece of shit he was would ruin it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what the right answer is, and honestly, that's not my job to figure out. That's Horikoshi's job to figure yeah. it out. 
but like very clearly this is something that matters a lot to me yeah. it makes me viscerally like frustrated that this character is in this kind of story right now even though i really appreciate that like sh- the rest of the todoroki family is showing up and it's all like this kind of frustration about this guy it's like uh it's yeah it's it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting and obviously that's like you know for a conversation down the line and the way this turns out there's a very good chance i could have an entire podcast discussion just about how this shakes out in the end yeah this is actually like more or less the reason this podcast happened is I was having multiple conversations on Twitter and like other places like about Bakugo as this fascinating character who's like this immature child growing up and then Endeavor and how much of a horrible piece of shit it is and how terrified I am they're going to try and give him a redemption. Uh, and I was just like, I need somebody to have me talk about this on a yeah. podcast because <laughs> I need to rant about it. Yep. So this is very clearly something that I feel very strongly about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it would be. So that's my like endeavor. That's my Todoroki family rant for right now. Yeah, it would be very interesting to have like some extended, uh, either flashback or explanation or whatever of uh, like the the rest of the Todoroki's upbringings in yeah. this, in this area where it's like he's only giving uh, attention to Shoto because he has the powers that he wanted, and everyone else is like still a child uh, or a teen and they're just being completely ignored by their father their mother has been uh, driven to a hospital Uh, so like who is the mother's been hospitalized for what is it like 10 years yeah it's It's like an absurd amount of time and there's this like there's this bit in one of the most recent arcs where like it's it's during that scene where he's like the mother and the two kids are talking and she's like she like talks about how because, like, the son's like, he's never even visited. And she's like, no, that's not true. He visits all the time. He's just never faced me. It's like, he no- like there's this very clear, like, at the bottom, he knows that he's a piece of shit. Like, in his heart, he knows he's a horrible person and he's a piece of shit to his family. But he, but he's, like, rejected that for the sake of being, like, this great, quote-unquote, hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, yeah, it would be, or it is, there's this very interesting uh, dichotomy between him being the number two hero, or like a very high up hero, and also doing all of this shit to his family. Yeah, it's all like. While. It's, it's, and it's really interesting because it's like this private versus personal, it's this private versus public life thing. But it's a private versus public life thing where your hero, and like they have hero names, but who they are isn't a secret really. Like, most people, like, the hero's life is kind of the hero's life, and you live as that person. Like, we really see All Might is really the only one that's kind of got a secret identity, more or less. And that's because his power is unique in a way where he actually transforms into All Might. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, It's really interesting that it's like, so no one just wanted to do a tell all and look into? Mm hmm. Uh,. Uh, that he was, uh, he has all these kids that are all, because it's not even like a secret that Shoto's his son. Everyone knows it. It's like he, he, he wears it with pride, even though Shoto openly hates him. Yeah. I mean, he got into UA because he's Endeavor's son. Right. Uh, it's really, yeah. So let's talk about something else, because fuck Endeavor. <laughs> I don't want to talk about him anymore. 
Yeah. All right. What's uh, your favorite arc? Uh, what is my favorite arc? That's a good question. Um, I read a lot of them a long time ago too, so it's like, what happened? It's a thing. Everything arcs? is fresh yeah. in my mind still. Yeah. And then it's also like, what do they call this arc? Uh, well, I don't know what they call like any of them. Yeah. I tried to look it up because there's of course a, a wiki for it, but they don't have like any of the arcs listed. They have like two of them, I guess, listed. Yeah, I think what uh, what like really got me into that was that uh, initial villain attack with all the Nomu, and like Deku at the end recognizing that All Might's powers were fading and he had to do something to distract them in that moment so they wouldn't find out about All Might because All Might is like in failing health at this point. I guess we never said yet. Uh, but yeah, he uh, he's had like part of his stomach removed or something in a fight. Yeah, he had a he had a big fight with um all for one, mm-hmm. and as a result of it, yeah, like part of his stomach was removed. He's basically in really bad health in his normal form, uh, in his like normal walking around form, and then in his um super form, he's slowly losing his powers because he's passed them on to Deku. Yeah, and also because of the the hole in his stomach. Right. Yeah. That's also very bad. Yeah, yeah, but that is like the moment when uh, a lot of stuff starts coming together for for Deku because uh, in in the entrance exam he just kind of punches a robot really hard. I don't remember if there's anything in between there. But, um, uh, does this does the first uh, the sports festival happen before that? Sports festival might happen before that because that's kind of a. That's a interesting bit, too, because it's like Deku ends up kind of... He doesn't win the thing. and you, It kind of makes you think he's going to, but there's still that very clear, like, I'm not um, yeah. all... I'm not really in control of my powers yet. Yeah. And he ends up really sacrificing himself so so Poor Todoroki yeah. can kind of get over his issues. It does uh, have that suspense in that arc, though, of, like, you don't you really don't know whether he's going to win because he could win just because he's a hero, but also he doesn't have basically any control over his powers yet. So why would he win? It takes a very long time to reach the point where it, there's like a... It, uh, like his, his character's first kind of major arc is reaching a point where he can con- confidently control his powers yeah. and figure out how to use them, make them his own instead of just trying to copy All Might, which is when he figures out to use his legs instead of his arms because he'd been punching with full power so much that he shattered his arms, like the bones in his arms so many times that he basically can't use them in combat anymore. Yeah. And he doesn't have the the body to back it up like All yeah. Might does. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is very interesting, of, like, Deku learning this new style, like, he idolizes All Might so much that he didn't even consider that you could do something else with these powers once he received them, uh, but he had to innovate this own thing, and, like, that innovation started, you know, with that, uh, going to the amusement park area, and he realizes that he can't be breaking his arms all the time, so, like, he only breaks his finger, uh, like, flicking the water at 100%, and then he uses, uh, Minita and Suyu's powers to get out of that. Um, but yeah, watching Deku grow up uh, and like learn his powers and then also learn everyone else's powers and innovate them 
in these tough situations uh, is again part of Horikoshi's creativity and what makes this so much fun. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it's and it's a constant thing with every arc. He's getting stronger and he's learning how to use more of his power and he's getting better at using it mm-hmm. and figuring out different ways to use it. Um, so. My favorite arc so far has been like the um, the Airy Rescue arc, the Eightfold, what is it, the Eightfold, the Eight Precepts of Death or whatever the heck they're called, Mm -hmm. the 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 Yakuza guys. Yeah, um, is probably my favorite arc uh, so far uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, One, I think, in a lot of ways, there. They and especially um, the leader overhaul are probably the most interesting villains so far, if you asked me. Um, in that, like, so I've talked about like the villain alliance is kind of really one dimensional at this point. It's like, yeah, they're a bunch of they're young villains who are trying to, uh, uh, you know, just be villains. But there's not a lot there, like with uh, overhaul. Like his obsession is with um, restoring uh, like Yakuza, basically restoring like the honor bound Yakuza world to like the top of the underworld food chain because um, it's all been kind of jacked up by the existence of quirks. Mm-hmm. Like the Yakuza don't have power anymore. So, but his like way to do that is this corruption of itself because his. His solution to the situation is, I'm going to take advantage of this small child's quirk to erase other people's quirks to basically get rid of all the heroes and the villains so we can stand at the top of the food chain again. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he's awful. He's a vile character uh, and wholly hated, like hateable. There's like nothing good about him. Um, He's completely corrupted and there's no like like doubt about it and it's he's really really well done in that sense uh and it makes him really interesting i feel like and that arc is great because one it introduces a it introduces this part period introduces us to some fantastic characters including mirio yep the Uh, the two top third years uh in ua yeah. Or three top, I guess. They the three top third yeah. years. So there's Mirio, who's Lemillion, uh, who is like, he, he has this power to basically phase through anything solid, um, which is like presented as this kind of weird power that's not really suited towards being a hero, but uh, he works hard and finds ways to make it work for him, which is really cool. Um, Najiri, who is, uh, uh, what is hers? It's like shockwaves or something like that. I don't remember her powers. They, we don't really see much of her. She kind of yeah. is a support role in this. And then Tamaki, who is like the super low self-esteem guy who's super bummed out. But like, basically like he can manifest like anything that he eats out, out of his body yeah, so, like, if he eats octopus, he can turn into part of an octopus. If he eats, like, cow, then he can have cow parts. Yeah, like, yeah, like that. He's really cool like that. Yeah. Um, yeah and so Mirio is this super uh, excited, happy dude who's, like, very clearly in the mold of All Might is this 
future great hero kind of character, and he's great, and I love him a ton. And you also find out that he was initi- like people were pushing for him to be All Might's successor mm-hmm. um, until All Might chose uh, Deku instead. Which is why All Might went to UA to teach, uh, is to like find his successor, and also Mirio was there, but right. then he found Deku. So he finds Deku instead and chooses Deku. But Mirio is still on his way to becoming a great hero, and after meeting Deku, they kind of they they build a little bit of a bond as they both go to intern under another hero, uh, Sir Night Eye, who was All Might's former sidekick, who was uh, who is one of the top heroes, and his power is that he can see the future mm-hmm. by looking at someone. He can see someone's future by looking at them or something along those lines. Is it looking at them or touching them? I think it's it's looking at them because okay. he's night eye. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, so they they intern with him, and while they're out on this is all like this is all set up for one of what I think is one of the absolute best moments in the comic ever. Like I think the I think the stuff there are moments in this arc and the fallout of it that is the peak of this comic. Yeah, like so I know far. people. Hopefully. People are going to say that it's the All Might All for One fight, and I think that's going to be the popular answer for a long time. I think there's stuff in this arc that tops it. I don't know um, why it would be the All Might One or One for All fight. Huh? I don't. I don't really get why it would be the All Might One for All fight. Well, I think it's because people think it's really cool. Well, yeah, it is really cool. But it is like, really cool, and where, the end of it is really impactful. Yeah, where is our story stakes in terms of our main characters, though? Yeah, I think there's like there's stuff that's so impactful in this arc. That it's just like the best stuff. It's yeah. the best of the comic. Yeah. And so they're out patrolling, and it's just the two of them out patrolling together. So like, uh, Night Eyes off somewhere else, and it's Mirio and Deku kind of walking around town together. And they're walking past. They walk past an alley, and a little girl bumps into them, like asking for help. And she's like trembling, scared. And Deku kind of grabs her and is like hugging her, kind of holding her. And then a man comes up. And we eventually find out that it's a overhaul and he comes up and it's like she calls her his daughter and tells her to come back with him And Deku. And they can both kind of tell there's something wrong. But Mirio is following Night Eye's orders and tells Deku, we have to follow our orders, which is not to kind of fuck, not to screw around with anything right mm-hmm. now. So they give they let her go and they let her go back to him. Um, they just kind of suck it up and do it because they realize that they're under specific orders. They can't be doing things on their own. They have to do things by the book, as as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and and Deku's already had multiple issues with breaking the rules to the point where he's almost been expelled. <laughs> so he kind of can't be breaking the rules anymore. Yeah. Um, so they let her go. Fast forward a little while. I can't remember the exact circumstances. But they realize that something weird is going on. The uh, the the yakuza the the yakuza are meeting with the League of Villains, and everyone's kind of concerned. What the heck's going on? Are they working with each other? So they start doing research into them, and they're so they hold this big meeting, and it's a bunch of heroes um, with like uh, Night Eye kind of leading the meeting. So Mirio and Deku are both there, and then like Ochaku and Suyu are there because the the person they're interning with is also there. Mm-hmm. The other third years are there, and then a bunch of other big, big heroes are there. Um, Grant Torino and a bunch of other ones. And they're all kind of meeting, and they're having this meeting, and they start talking about it, and they start explaining what's going on. And on the screen, they show an image of 
I want to say it's just Overhaul. It might be Aerie, too. I can't remember. if it. I'm pretty sure it's both of them. They show Aerie, and they show that she's this girl that's being held, and she's being held against her will, uh, and there's something wrong. Like, they're, they're using her quirk to develop something, like, to erase powers. Like, they have enough intel that they kind of reveal this, mm-hmm. and they reveal it all in front of Deku and Mirio. And, like, Night Eye says something along the lines, is everyone's upset, but... I, there, I know there's two people in here who are like beside themselves or something along those lines and it cuts to the two of them and they're just in a complete state of shock like they can't imagine what they did because they, mm-hmm. they can't imagine that they'd let this girl go in this situation and that she's in this kind of shitty situation now Yeah, and it's so impactful in that moment and what it does is it like it raises the stakes to such a high level for the rest of that arc because you can feel the the frustration and the hatred that both of them have for overhaul across the rest of the story because yeah. all they can think about all the two of them can think about is saving this girl and that is the core of the arc it's not about defeating all these villains it's not about anything else it's about rescuing this child from the situation she's in mm-hmm. yeah because they're the heroes they ran into the situation where they could have been the heroes uh where they could have saved like this little girl from this horrible situation but they didn't because they couldn't they follow uh, they followed the the re- they were within the restrictions of their of their profession and the society they're part of yeah and as a result they realize this small child is being tortured yeah, and that is uh, also that arc is like that time when um, everyone's powers are reaching a, a developmental point where uh, they're all doing cool stuff, like as opposed to the the first part where uh, Kirishima didn't really know what his powers could do, but now he's like really raging out and being awesome. Uh, Deku didn't really know what his powers could do at the beginning because like he broke his arms and his fingers all the time. But now he's learning this new shoot style. Um, so it's like everything coming together in the comic as well, and like a culmination of what they have learned so far in a large scale. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it does a lot for all of the students to kind of let you realize how they've evolved, how they've grown, um, and just how they've changed. And just everything that happens with Mirio like desperately trying to rescue Ari and putting his life on the line for it. Yep. Night Eye putting his life on the line to save her. Deku uh, really literally put like additionally putting his life on the line in a really complex way yep. because they, they figure out that Ari's quirk is that she kind of reverses time for people as she interacts with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, she actually, in in some kind of poetic way, is the perfect foil for Deku in the issues that his powers have laid on his body. Because mm-hmm. the final fight is ultimately her versus Overhaul, who's gone, or him versus Overhaul, who's kind of gone mad and turned into a monster. Uh, as Deku has Eri on his back, and as a result of her powers, uh, kind of automatically healing his body, yeah. he's able to go at 100% and just smash the shit out of Overhaul in what's one of the most satisfying fights in the comic. Because basically he's like, he's punching and he still is breaking all of his bones, but like they're healing before they can break, sort of. Yeah. 
it's it's so good. It's such a satisfying battle. Yeah. And it's like the perfect end to that. I remember there's a bit in it because there's some of the um the uh the villain alliance people are kind of hanging out. Toga, the the girl that can turn into other people with their blood is hanging out there because mm-hmm. uh, the villain alliance's goal is to steal the bullets that they made out of Ares' powers that can erase uh, clerks. Like that's their goal is to steal that. Um, so she's kind of there to do that, and as a result, she uses her powers to disguise herself as Deku to kind of get all the heroes to get together to stop them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, it's really interesting because then then it shows her and I think twice or whoever was with her um, kind of watching the final fight, and she's watching as Deku is just smashing the shit out of overall, and she just goes like, "Holy crap, Deku's strong!" Mm-hmm. And it's like, "Yeah." That, that's kind of the thing. He's extremely strong. And it's one of the first times that it's, like, overt how powerful he is. Because he's holding back so much of the time, and he's never really using a lot of his power. But then in that moment, he uses 100% of his power and just wrecks everything. Yep. And it's cool as shit. So, the important thing is, after all of this happened, Harry is hospitalized... And they're all kind of trying to figure out what the heck is going on with her, what the heck's going on with her powers and all this kind of stuff and what they're going to do with her and protect her. Um, And while that's going on, the students at UA are getting ready for their school festival. So as part of like trying to help Ari heal and like try to live a normal life, they Deku invites her to the school festival. Uh, And what happens like the the school festival like arc is really is is really brief. There's like a there's a battle. There's like a fight as part of it that I do want to talk to talk about as well. But I want to talk about this specifically because I think it's like this arc was an absolute necessity coming out of what had just happened because it's kind of the darkest the comic had gotten mm-hmm. up to this point. And it's really dark. It's like really like the stuff that they're doing to this kid is awful. Um, and you find out, like, Overhaul had basically incapacitated his former boss, who was, like, Ares' grandfather or, 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 or something related to her, who wouldn't – who, like, gave him orders specifically not to do what he was doing because he found it so repulsive to the point that Overhaul, incapac- like, hospitalized him to get him out of the way. So uh, they invite Ares to the school festival. Deku's class is putting on a dance show slash concert, mm-hmm. and obviously they invite Ari to it. So Mirio goes with her, brings her to the concert, and like Mirio and Deku's obsession at this point is that they've since they've rescued her, they've never seen her smile. They bring her to this concert, and like the whole lead up to the concert's freaking great because it's just kind of this it's this little story about. Uh, some of the other classmates that don't really get a lot of time, like, um, uh, shoot, what is her name? Uh, Kiyoka, who's, uh, got the headphone jack, ears, uh, yep. who's like, she's a music, she's actually a musician, she plays a lot of instruments that can sing really well, but, like, she doesn't want to be de- defined by that, she wants to be defined as a hero, but she kind of, like, gets brought into this, like, please like lead our band and do this thing for us. And it's this really cute little arc about her as a person, uh, which I really liked. Um, and then everyone's doing this big performance and it, this, it's like this really elaborate light show. They turn, um, 
uh, Yoga, the dude with the laser, uh, Yuga or whatever, the guy with the laser in his navel into yeah. a into a um a disco, disco ball. ball. Yeah, uh, it's real. And like this whole big like everything's exploding and there's glitter everywhere. And then it's like it shows this scene like it hits like the crescendo of the concert and then it cuts this giant panel and it's Aries smile and it's like Mirio saying something like she's finally smiled and he's got tears in his eyes mm-hmm. and like that actually made me cry. Yeah. Um, I think that period is the best thing that's happened in the comic. Uh, this is a really elaborate, like explanation to get to that point. But I think like that arc, like Aries arc specifically, uh, up to that point, uh, is the best thing that's happened in this comic because it's like, it's a, it's, it's, it's this enormous emotional, like release after all this horrible stuff that's happened to this character and you get to the end and it's like, she's finally able to smile for once. Mm -hmm. Like she's not like, it's like a moment where it's like, she's not afraid. She's actually happy while she's there. Mm -hmm. And it's so good. And it like, it speaks so much to what the, what the, um, what the, um, comic is trying to be. And like, it's about heroes saving people. It's not all about just being flashy and fighting monsters. It's about saving people. It's about saving a little girl. Mm -hmm. Like, characters die on this mission to save this child from this hellhole she's in. It's so, yeah, obviously, it's so good. I I loved it so much. Um, Yeah. I think that's, like, the peak of what the comic is at this point. Yep. I agree. Yeah. That was a lot of me talking there. Sorry. Uh, You're good. I, I have very strong feelings about that stuff. It was good uh, analysis. Anyway, the gentle fight is the best fight in the comic. Yeah. Uh, because... Would you like to elaborate <laughs> more on that as well? <laughs> I, I can do that one really short because it kind of speaks to everything we've talked about with Deku growing. Because it's a, it does a really good job of kind of presenting... It shows you his growth. Mm-hmm. It shows you, here's this character who's been trying to figure out how to use his powers and how to take advantage of them in the right way. And he does, he uses them in every new way he's thought of during that fight. It's like the stakes are low because gentle very clearly cannot beat Deku because Deku is extremely strong at this Mm -hmm. point. Um, but he's using his powers in smart ways. And it's just like gentle or uh, Deku. Deku. Okay. He's using his powers creatively and in new ways that are more flexible towards himself instead of just punching things as hard crazy. as he can. Exactly. Yeah. Which is like I really liked it. it. It's it's really good storytelling in a within a within a small like window like within a small like a small fight. It tells a really mm-hmm. strong story within a small fight, which yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that's Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of things. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, uh, that is basically My Hero Academia. Yeah, uh, that was hopefully, me. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> you have either read it or will read it after this because you just found out about everything if you haven't read it yet. Yeah, I've more or less spoiled everything yeah. in the yeah. cop up to this point. Uh, like, uh, yeah, spoiler alert for this one. Yeah, but before we uh, close this thing out, do you have anything... Uh, final things that you'd like to add that you missed? Well, I already talked about how Mineta's the best. I talked about how Endeavor sucks. 
talked about how Harry made me cry. No, I can't think of anything. I think that's everything. Yeah. Oh, I like that the principal of the school is an animal with a quirk that makes it human-like. Yeah, very smart. Is specifically <laughs> the, the quirk. I don't yeah. know why it's human-like. Uh, yeah. But, you know, you don't question these things. There's also dogs. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. But yeah. Other than that, that's everything. I talked a lot about my academia here. Yeah. Uh, I basically agree with everything that you said. I love this comic. I loved, like, the build-up of uh, not just Deku, but also the, the secondary character would be Bakugo and the way he's been built up, but like some of the lower secondary and tertiary characters also get their moments and like they need way more moments, but since it's about Deku, they just can't get those. Um, yeah. And especially since like the, the conceit of it is that it's from Deku's point of view, so you might not necessarily know those things either. Well, yeah, this is a very, very enjoyable comic. One of the, definitely uh, one of the most enjoyable ones in currently running in English Jump. Uh, I'm sure you yeah. might, if you're listening to this this far. Yeah, like, I think the last thought I'll say, like, the final thought I have is, after I binged through all of it, the thing I thought to myself was, oh, I get why everyone was pushing this as the next big thing. Yeah. It makes sense. It kind of checks off all the boxes uh, that you would think would be a big jump-style hit. Yep. And I appreciate that about it. I think it's smarter than a lot of previous ones that are kind of in that same category, to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of the like, like the character writing is extremely good for something in this category. Like, nearly like one, like one Piece level character writing, honestly. Um, so yeah, and that's high praise coming from me, honest. So, so yeah, yeah, I get it. Yep. It took me a long time to come around to it, but I get it. All right, uh, let's close this thing out. Where can we find you on the internet, Pax? Just go to at Pat's Prime on Twitter right now. Um, my cod, my podcast is the Cockpit, which is thecockpit.net. Having some issues with the website at the moment. I gotta get that fixed. It'll probably be fixed by the time this podcast comes out. Um, but there should be some new stuff coming out there very soon. So, yeah, check that out. Uh, and, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I definitely wanted to talk about this uh, this comic with with you and then also in general. And I appreciate you coming on and talking about it with me. All right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Compassionate K. This podcast is on Twitter at Manga In Your Ears. Uh, we'll be back with your regularly scheduled episode in, like, a week, hopefully. Uh, but we'll see. Red, the red, the red, the